Hello and welcome, it's me Rodney Cyrus back with you one more time. We're talking about football's loves and hates. What do you love about football? What do you hate about football? And when did either of those two polar opposites begin? Joining me once again is Ty, diehard Spurs fan. How are you, Ty? Yeah, I'm good. I'm good. I'm very well, thank you. Good, good. And also uh, back again after a week's absence. He said he went missing. I have no idea where he went because everyone's on lockdown. It's Nick, the diehard Liverpool fan. How are you, Nick? Not too bad. Not too bad, Rodney. You sound a little bit depressed. What's going on? No, no, no. Just, uh, just chilling. Just chilling. It just got a bit of bad news, right? It just got a bit of bad news. Well, okay. Yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah. Certain, certain, certain outlets are open and they're a little bit out of, you know. <laughs> they're a bit out of reach. Remember the minute he's trying to strategize how he's going to manage that. Nick, the the, the morley chicken is open in, in certain sections of London and he's thinking, how am I, how am I going to get there? How am I going to get there? How am I yeah. going to justify this journey? Yeah, you know, the police checks will be like, is this a valid, valid trip? Listen. I, yeah, just I told you already, innit? Just travel with essentials. Put bleach in your car, toilet roll. You know, you're doing a you're doing a mercy drop. Yeah. For real. Um, right. Uh, there is so much to talk about, obviously, with football games coming thick and fast. Man United were meant to play Aston Villa this weekend, I believe. So there are a lot of people pining for fixtures that should have taken place, uh, like anyone else. Let's go down to it in terms of football. We're still talking about football because we love the game. We love many aspects of the game. Some of the, There are some aspects that we don't like and those are the aspects that I'm going to talk about in terms of hate. But in terms of the love, um, what is it that you love about football and when did it begin? Ty, for you, what do you love about football? Um, uh, well, I think I'll answer it sort of back to front. When it began, I think for me, football, my love for football began... Um, watching Spurs, watching Spurs as a child um, with Ricky Villa and Garth Crooks and Stevie Archibald, and you know that that's that's when my first love for football began. Um, what I love about football, I think, and have have done throughout, is um, I just feel that it's a it's a real neutralizer. It doesn't matter what else is going on in the world. Um, you know, when football is being played, there seems to be, uh, you know, a, a, a passion for that that kind of supersedes current affairs. Um, you know, we could be going for a world war, as we have done uh, previously, and there was uproar because, you know, there was no football. Uh, in the middle of the war, Germany, um, you know, their national team, you know, they had to play a game. Um, so that's how serious and how passionate people are about football so the the thing I love about it I think is the fact that no matter what's going on um, you know if you're a football lover uh, you know it's a great it's a great equaler you can have a really bad day but if the footy's on you know in the evening it can kind of just you know your day can come good again so I I find um, football to be quite medicinal if if I'm honest Mm, okay medicinal different Medicine for the heart and soul. Nick, yeah. what is it that you love about football? Um, I guess what I, what I really love is um, that for football, for, for, for many a man, um, it's, the, it's the common language. It's, it's, it's the icebreaker. It's the, the amount of situations I've been in whereby... And, I, and I'm, really, I'm, I'm really careful about talking about football with people that I don't know whether they're even into it. But the moment, it's like someone says, oh, well, goons are playing them on, on Saturday, so I've got to go. The moment they kind of let me know, okay, yeah, they're, they're into it, then I love talking about it with them. And um, and like I said, for it's, it's, it's a good icebreaker. Um, now, I mean, one of the... One of the well, no, I won't, I won't get... I'll save that for... What, what really annoys me about football, but um, <laughs> but yeah, the very fact of that you can sit down and you might not have anything in common with the, with this guy, and you can you can start to kind of create a connection just over the love of your club and what have you, and and definitely being honest with my dad, me and him 
a lot of our discussions or a lot of our social time that I might spend with him is through sitting down watching Man U because he's a Man U fan. Well, so, common sense prevails, obviously. Well, 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 something went wrong, obviously, isn't it? But um, so that's a, that's a large part of how we communicate. You know, that's the platform that that's the springboard that everything else can kind of jump off of. So we'll be sitting down watching the game, talking about Pogba or whoever. And it'll be like, oh, your auntie so and so, this and blah blah, and you know, and and it's a springboard um, to to have conversations about other things. With and you know, I like that. I like that. Do you know? I'll be I'll be honest with you. I listened to what you said, right? And for me, when you said, "What do I love about football?" I had to seriously think about this. I like football because I played football as well. A lot of people talk. They talk about. Um, ha, ha, look at. I can see someone in the chat. I'm going to come to you in a moment. I see you. Hello, hello there. Uh, we may add you because you need a voice. Um, because I played football as well from an early age, I am interested in the sport because I played it. And I, from a lot of fans, I don't know if they always played football or if they play football, but they love watching the team that they support. So for me, the, the passion for football, the love for football was more as a player. Uh, being involved in a game, um, trying new things, learning, um, having a totally different experience in terms of the challenges that the game would put in front of me, Dep you know, depending on what position I was playing, whether I was playing in defence or was it right, right back, left back, centre back or midfield or, you know, you, you would find the joy for me playing football, I would find the joy of playing football as a as a as a player. And then when I was able to watch football, um, and I say was able to, because obviously I was, you know, strict parents, certain certain curfews and cutoffs and all of that. When you watch football on television, then you get to see it on a grander scale. And it's very easy for people to say, you know, when they say, oh, I love football because I went to the, the game with my dad and he took me to the ground. You know, we're of a generation that where our dads weren't going to the football ground because of the racism. Mm. You know, yeah. they weren't going there. Simple as. The, the, the safest place our parents ever went to in terms of black men, they might have gone betting shop. Mm. That was it. They might have gone to a pub. But in terms of going to football, the generation that we are, they weren't going to football grounds. So I never had that conversation with my dad. I played football. I went to football. Um... And that's why I wanted to, for me, that was where the, the, the initial love came from. And then when I watched a, a particular team, I fell in love with that particular team. But my love for football didn't come about because I followed a team. It's because I played the game. And thinking about the question, it made me realise that you can come you can come to that question or get to an answer from a, from a totally different point of view. And it, and it will be different, obviously, in terms of gender. You know, but what I'm going to do, I'm going to say hello to Jessica in the, in the chat. I'm going to try and reach out to you, Jessica, and try and add you into the call because I'd like you in the call because obviously uh, a female perspective because she loves football. Uh, but what I'm going to ask Ty while I'm doing this is, you know, you say you watch Spurs, you know, and that was the thing that you watched, you liked. What was it about Spurs that you fell in love with? Or was, was it the style of play? Was it a particular player? Or was it were it a bunch of players? What was it about Spurs? I think... I think um, for me, definitely, I think it was all of that. Um, just watching different teams, uh, Spurs were a team um, at the time when I, I mean, I, you know, they won the FA Cup when I was 11. And uh, like yourself, Rod, that was a time when I started to play football. Um, so, you know, you're trying to emulate what you, 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 you're doing uh, in your Saturday or your Sunday league and you start getting into the sport as 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 an interest as opposed to just partaking. Um, you know, that whole team, for me, unfortunately, as a Spurs fan, um, you know, I've spent the rest of my adult life trying to, to relive the, 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 the formative years um, of, of success because, you know, I, I fell in love with the team and then they, 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 they won a trophy, and then they had that whole style of play about them. I think that, you know, they introduced the two Argentines. They had 
you know, a number of, of, of black players playing in the team at the time as well with Garth Crooks and Chrissy Hewitt and, uh, you know, it just all kind of, for me, the interest gathered from, from the momentum from different angles. Um, watching Spurs sort of transform from an 80s to a 90s to a millennial team um, has also been um, bittersweet. Uh, so I think that the journey for me watching my team and, and becoming a supporter of that team and going to the ground and, and sort of getting a connection with the fan base and what have you, um, you know, it was important for me to identify with a club. Mm-hmm. Um, it helped me to play my football as a youngster. Um, I had people that I wanted to aspire to be like, etc. I, I actually struggle with um, the concept of somebody having, um, and I don't want to use the, the term armchair support because I think that's a little bit unfair. Because I think if you support a team that plays in another country, then you're you know you're an armchair supporter, whether you like it or not. Well, but uh, I think that I think I think to, before you add that, I want to just say that I think for every black football fan in this country, that's where you started off. Yeah, in the, as an armchair supporter, yeah. no doubt. Of our generation, um, definitely. Um, yeah, so I think, it, you know, the whole the whole journey for me is is what I've come to enjoy. Um, and, and, and like Nick said earlier on, you know, it's got to a point where I'm sure we're going to touch on what we dislike about football, which, you know, has, has come in, 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 in most recently. Um, but over the, the years of me watching the game and, you know, trying to emulate certain players. I think that Tottenham, for me, has always produced um, a particular style of footballer and played a particular style of football. Haven't always been successful. Um, so I come from a group of, 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 you know, the fraternity of fan that don't necessarily want um, success. Um you know, I'm happy with us not winning trophies as long as we're playing a particular style of football. Now, for, for some fans, that might seem a little bit strange because it's all about the glory, but is it really? Um, you know, for some people who support um, the Burnleys and, the, you know, no disrespect to them or the, the Watfords or whatever, you know, you'll, you'll take a fairy tale day, but mm. week in, week out, your your love is for that club and... and for the, the the fraternity of that football club, it's not necessarily that you support the club because you you believe they're going to win the league this year, or you want them to win the Champions League, or you want them to play in Europe. I think for a lot of fans, that's that's an idealism that's not going to come to fruition. So, and they still turn up week in week out. All right. Okay. Before I go on to Nick, I'm going to welcome Jessica. Who's on the call? Hello, Jessica. I can see her, and she's she's it's it's she's just frozen now. And looks, I, I think she's not there. She's gone. Mm. She's gone. I can see her, but she's she she'll come yeah. through when she's ready. Uh, Nick, yeah. uh, who who is it that you uh, fell in love with in terms of football, or was it a particular player, or was it a style of play, was it Keegan's curly perm, you know, was it Sunes's moustache? Hmm? I, I guess it was John Barnes. I guess I, I oh, guess okay. it was John Barnes. Um, and I feel I can probably zero it, zero it down to a particular goal. And um, there's one goal whereby it's a free kick, and um, he takes no run up. <laughs> there's no run. There's no run up. There's no run up. He just puts it in the top. He puts it in the top corner. I can't, I'm, I'm sure. I'm, I'm sure other Liverpool fans would know exactly which one it is. But yeah, wasn't that the own you know, goal or something like that? No, no, it was not an own goal. I don't know why you're trying to. <laughs> Rain on man's parade, but uh, so I, I I I guess John Barnes would be the be the the, the, the individual, but um, the, to to be honest to be honest with you, the 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 moment that I really fell in love with football that I think I fell in love with football was Italian ninety. Wow, and because because like the eighty nine the eighty nine. Um, um, season and what have you, and and that and and that ending with Arsenal, that kind of passed me by. I'm, I, I know it was on and it was in the background, but I have no real kind of. Yeah. There's no pang. There's no dagger in my chest. Like, oh, that was an awful day. So you know, but 
the Italia 90, mm. and I'm not even, and it's not even really while the tournament was going on because I watched it, and 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 I'd watched 86 as well, mm. but for me, it was right at the end, and 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 there's quite a few podcasts and what have you that are kind of going through this at the moment, you know, they're, they're you know, they're, they're, they're reminiscing. But the BBC, right at the end, after everything, after the whole tournament finished, you had the whole song of, pa- of Pav- Pavarotti, Ness and Dorma, and they were playing, they were giving you snippets of what went on in this tournament. And I can remember vividly Scalacci, you know, on his knees crying because he, he scored, he scored one of his goals. And you've got the soundtrack of Ness and Dorma, and it just kind of, it, it it was it was a transformative moment. It mm. was like wow, and so so it wasn't necessarily about actually watching the games. I enjoyed the games obviously while I was going through, but it was it was the recap after everything and the kind of and the the emotion of the of of Ness and Dorma and what have you. It mm. all just kind of um, culminated in that, and it, and it was like yeah yeah that that was that was great drama. That was great theatre. So, you know, you, you, I, I noticed that Nick is, is refraining from mentioning um, the, the, how touching he felt uh, uh, watching Gaza's tears roll down his cheeks. Uh, I'm sure that 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 was a quite a prominent moment for you as well, Nick. You know, yeah, it's okay. You you can admit it. It's fine. Listen, listen. Uh, listen well, uh, we can do Gaza another time. But yeah. Gaza. Gaza's tears, right? All, I've always couched them. I've always put them in the context of. Um, I always see them alongside Roy Keane getting booked in Turin, and knowing that he's going to miss that final, mm. that that Champions League final. And that's how I couch those two. One rolled up his sleeves and made sure that his team got to that final, even though he knew he wasn't going. He wasn't going to be part of it. The other one blubbered like a little. No, 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 come no, on, come no. on. Hold come on a minute. On, so this, 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 tells <laughs> me straight, this tells me straight away that Nick did not watch that game. When Gaza realised he was not going to be in the next game at yeah. um, Italian 90, yes, he did, he did, he did, his emotion got the better of him for a minute. But if you watch what happened after oh, that, I mean, I mean, Lineker at one point said to Bobby Robson, yeah. We got to substitute him, but yeah, did he get? Right. Did he Keep get substituted? Did he get? Did he get substituted? No, he no. didn't. He he battled and warrored through the rest of that game. Yeah, yeah. So it's it's a it's it. it Nick Nick sour grapes. Save your sour grapes for Pogba. Come um, on, Nick man. Come on, <laughs> give a man a break. He's kicking a man while he's down. Have you seen no, Gaza no, lately? Listen, what, like Have you I seen Gaza lately? I've heard Gaza lately, and so has the courts. Yeah, yeah, yeah. All right, all right. Leave it there. Leave it there. This is a podcast with no money, man. Come on. Um, (laughs) uh, For me, again, because I played as a child, the earliest memories that I have of Manchester United are are with individuals like um, Gordon Strachan, um, McQueen, Alberston, Gary Bailey in goal, Steve Koppel on the wing. Mark Hughes, you know, those guys, for me, they were, they were the, the kind of the first group of players that, that, that were actually in my mind. And then, you know, as I got older and, you know, I, I earned money from my paper rounds because, you know, you've got to hustle when you're a kid. Um, and I, put, I bought the, the, the football magazines. I then had your, your, your Remy Moses, your Brian Robsons on your wall, you know, and uh, those are the earliest memories I have of, of, of Manchester United footballers that I was really kind of following and saying, I want to be like this person. I want to be, not so much be like, but I really admired um, their, their, their style of play. Um, Arnold Muren, you know, wizard on the left with his left foot. You know, I mean, So for me, watching that team um, was really, really good. And, and I didn't have the conversations that a lot of fans have now, you know, because, oh, they've got to win the league and, you know, they've got to do this. I mean, I would be upset when they didn't win, but I really did connect, um, or I felt I connected with the team and the players, even though I was, you know, many, many miles away. And the bulk of my access to Manchester United at that point would have been, um, if not through the television, but definitely on radio or glaring through 
the um, radio rentals um, window shop <laughs> trying to see the the teletext scores on a, on a, on a weekend. Those are the those are the memories that stand out for me. But in terms of like Nick has mentioned, you know, nineteen ninety World Cup, the eighty two World Cup. You know, I was still at school, and um, you know, just everyone was running home to try and get home to watch England play. And I think I mean Brian Robson had scored a goal. Almost, it took fifteen or sixteen seconds, and those are one of the individuals that that stood out for me. He was very much. What, what I saw as the embodiment of Manchester United and what I loved the most about football because he gave everything and he had that kind of, you know, when I think of modern day midfield players and they go, I can't do box to box, I'm just attacking. I need someone to help me. You know what I'm talking about, uh, Nick. Uh, <laughs> he who shall not be named. This, he who shall not be named, like, um, like be Voldemort named. and Harry Potter. Um, uh, Brian Robson was a, the, the kind of midfield player who basically there wasn't like oh who, what what are you? He was like I play in midfield. <laughs> that's it. That's it. So if I'm in defence, I'm in defence. And then more often than not, and particularly with those games, because there wasn't television access, right? And you had to listen to the radio. When you'd hear that Man United were on, pretty much like the same with Liverpool. Nick, and you've got to remember, if you could go back to those early days and you listen to Liverpool commentary and Man United commentary and the team would be under attack, all of a sudden there'd be a quick break and it'd be like there'd be a, like Robson would have broken up a tackle, played it out wide, boom, 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 cross from Koppel and then you'd be like, Robson. I'm like, whoa, it, what? It was just, you, you hear it and you get mm. caught up with it and you then think, damn, that guy must be shifting through midfield to get to box to box. And that's the imagery that I have in my mind. So your mind's eye is probably much better and much more detailed than what you get on television because your senses are heightened. So you have to literally visualise everything. You have to kind of picture the pitch. And as a child, when you're playing football yourself, you're thinking, okay, that's where the the, the eight-in-yard box is, right? He's got to go this, he's got to do that. He's got to go past all these players and then he's got to get there. Not, not even just get there, he's got to get there on time and score a goal. And those are the things that kind of made me what I loved most about football. I can officially welcome Jessica to the pod. Hello, Jessica. Hello, hello. All kinds you of see, issues you, all around this weekend. Listen, listen. I see Jessica has, has added, it's almost, you know, the, the sexy dulcet tones has just kind of arrived. I know Dick has tr- Nick has tried. I called him Dick there for a minute. Don't worry. <laughs> <laughs> don't, don't tell the don't tell the girls. Um, I, you've missed a little bit, Jessica, but obviously you're, I'm glad you're here. Uh, I want you to tell us what it was that you you love about football and, and and why did you fall in love with football and who was it that kind of pulled you in? So I, I'm going to talk about. So I actually wrote. I had to talk to my mother about this because I, I, you know, I grew up in India until I was like 11, and then I moved to the UK. Mm. But for one month, I for one year, I lived in England in 70, 71, I think, and um, that's when my love for Manchester United started. And I had to actually talk to my mother because I didn't really know why. I knew it was Georgie Best, and because you know, obviously, you didn't see games in those days. And uh, she said it was Georgie Best that we used to watch the highlights and listen, and and he was just so amazing. And that was it. That was it was Georgie Best. And then when I went back to the UK in '75, you know they lost, they lost to Southampton that season in the FA Cup. But then that '77 team is probably my all-time favourite Manchester United team. When you talk about Stevie Koppel, he is my all-time favorite Manchester United player. He's right, I yeah. used to I used to go to Arsenal. I used to go to the old Highbury all the time, if you can believe this. Mm-hmm. Um, not just to watch United, but we used to get free tickets. My mother worked somewhere where we used to get free tickets all the time. But I can remember watching United and watching Stevie Koppel just fly down those wings, man. Fly. Man, it was just amazing. Yeah. I loved I, it. I loved, loved it. it. Loved it. And he, so he for you was the person that, you you remember the most 
Yeah, because Judgy Best, I know that Judgy Best was the reason why I started supporting them, but I was young. You know, the only visual, actual visual thing I have about Judgy Best is what she, I like. I actually can visualize this in my mind's eye that I saw this news report at the age of seven about him being missing and not showing up to a game. <laughs> Hello, that sounds familiar. <laughs> Hold on, Nick. Really like United have still got problems like that with their players, I'm telling you. Steady, steady. Easy, easy. Digging deep. Do you know what I mean? Player got missing. It's not even for booze. No. Yeah. It's not but even I mean, for booze. I think that's 77 team. And then obviously, you know, that I used to travel a lot in the 80s to watch United and say, you know, people like Sparky and Robbo and all those kinds of people. Yeah. yeah, pretty cool. Pretty Norman cool. Whiteside, oh. that goal will forever be in my mind. You know, I was there that night, day when he scored the FA Cup winner um, at Wembley. So, yeah, yeah. It, it, it is, you know, it's really good when you have moments. And the thing is, um, the memories that we have of the, of the teams that we like, I mean, apart from you, Nick, obviously, because you're a Liverpool fan and, you know... <laughs> You've got memories of uh, them winning the league. Not necessarily the Premier League, but the league. Um, so annoying. Yeah, it's all right. You'll get over it. Uh, for for Manchester United and, and, and Spurs fans from that period in time onwards, there was a big thing around winning a particular cup or, or game. And, it, and those memories really do stick in mm-hmm. the mind. And for me, they stick more in the mind than the, the more recent games do, you know? And even though those ones are kind of prominent and they are memorable and they, you know, hold a special place, in terms of them being at the forefront, you know, did, for me, it's not necessarily the same. And I, I suppose it is generally about where you enter the world of football in terms of your love for a club, where you enter it in terms of, you know, who you recognise and, and, and see as a person that you like to follow and what what are the most memorable things about about football in itself. I'm conscious that we've spent a lot of time on love and we're talking about football, love and hate. So we've got to go to the bit... Oh, excuse me. Dropped my earpiece there. We've got to go to the bits in terms of um, hates, football hates. Um, what do you hate about football uh, and I'm going to start with Nick first because I know he's he's, he's, he's been um, typing all week so he's got quite a few things to say well I'd, um, as I was saying um, previous I guess the antithesis of what I was talking about about football being uh, the common language for, for many a person um, what I really hate is is fakers I can't I can I can what people who um will just assume a, a football club or what have you because they know that it's a it's a it's a common parlance oh. so they feel they feel that they need to have some sort of knowledge about it to talk to the common man or woman and the problem is so like I said before about what I enjoyed, so they might say, oh, bloody hell, did you see that game yesterday? And I think, oh, right, this is someone that likes football. Well, let's talk. So when I start to talk and I go, go a little bit of detail, you can see that they're, well, they, they, you, I can see that they're in too deep. And then they'll start floundering and start kind of saying, you know, things like, well, man, you, you know, they've always, they've always been a small club. They've always been struggling. And you think... What are you talking about? You know, you know, they'll, they'll make they'll make comments that you think. Do you actually? What? what? And and it, and it just it just infuriates. I should just let it slide and think. Okay, well they're trying to make an effort, but it infuriates me. It infuriates me, and I and I can't even hide it on my face. The, the disgust and, and disdain that I have for for those type of people, and I understand that they that they want to. Uh, well, I, well, to a certain degree, I don't understand it. I mean. If you're not into football, what? Why would you? Why would you feign interest? Why would you assume a team because it's trendy? And then I, I don't know. I don't get it. 
Yeah, well, I, do you know what? We might have to come back to that, Nick, because he can pick it. Because I, I believe your words have lost. You've never been short of words, but this is unusual. This is unusual. <laughs> well, I'm just, I'm just holding back. I'm hold just holding back. back. All right, all right, all right. Back, <laughs> um, Ty, what do you, that you dislike about football? Um, I just think it's just turned into a circus. Um, I think the money, um, the in in a in a sense to sort of echo what Nick's saying, but on a, on a, on an even deeper level. Um, and I think Roy Keane made reference to 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 this at, at one or two times, talking about the the prawn sandwich brigade, the the commercial interest, the corporate box. You know, a lot of these people have got no real love for the game. I went to a Spurs game when we were playing at Wembley, mm. and um, I because I knew uh, some people who, who were quite wealthy. They sort of said, you know, have the box. Uh, you know, it's a hospitality box. You can have food, you can have free drinks, you can have whatever. And, um, you know, it was the worst game of football I ever attended. Um, I had to sit in the area where all the corporate fans were and they had the best seats in the ground and they had zitted. I, I sat and I looked at them all. None of them knew the songs. None of them knew a song in affiliation with that football club. They all sat there, they all made the right oohs and ahs, and, but there was no, I mean, no one even slacked off the ref. You know, who goes to a live football match and the ref doesn't get slacked off? You know, it, it's just, it just felt very, it was just fakery. It, it, was, it was a facade almost. And to think that they would have, they could have filled them seats 10 times over with passionate supporters that made, just not have been able to afford to get into yeah, the stadium, and I, knows, yeah, and and I think that and I think that that's what I dislike about football the most that it's attracted um, a corporate fan, mm. and the corporate fan's narrative and knowledge of the game is 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 little or nothing, um, and they've spoiled the game to an extent because now we're not talking about players who love. Um, the football club who are going to stay and I think I mentioned this on a previous pod you're talking about players like your Brian Robsons, your Norman Whitesides your Gary Linekers your, you know, your Steven Gerrards mm. you know, players who were quite happy to play the game for the club that they loved um, irrespective of all the money and the fanfare and everything that was being chucked in front of them you know, they just loved playing football and they loved playing football for that club. And what you've got now is you've got people talking about contracts. You've got people talking about, you know, how much money footballers are earning and what type of character they should have because of the money they get paid. Look, <clears throat> giving somebody 300 grand a week doesn't make them a good guy. It doesn't make them a nice guy. You know, going going back to sort of like previous discussions that we've had on Pod Rodney where we're talking about, you know, should players be you know, taking a pay cut. You know, these are just normal individuals. What, you know, if they're nice guys, if they're nice people, if they're honourable people, they'll feel like that. But what it's become, it's become this circus where they're saying, we pay money, dance like the monkey. Um, for want of a better expression. But, it, you know, it, it's almost like they, they're not allowed to be human anymore. They're not allowed to have a shit day. They're not allowed to have a bad day. Paul McGrath would not exist in this football world. He never trained. He never trained. Can news. you imagine a modern-day footballer that openly came on the TV? The manager said, well, you know, we just pick him on match day. <laughs> like, he doesn't really take part in training. That would be unheard of now. Hmm. There, there would be talks about contracts and, and people letting the club down and all sorts of rubbish. The narrative that comes along with modern football now, for me, is what I dislike the most about the game. OK, all right. Um, Jessica, what do, <laughs> what do you hate about football? I think hate is, a, hate is a horrible word sometimes. What do you yeah. dislike about... What do you okay, so, I'm gonna go to, so I'm going to go... I'm going to agree with the men... 
and I'm going to say that I think money has really has affected it. I, uh, I, you know, that I've been thinking of writing a blog and I was doing some research on when I used to go to watch United and I used to stand in the Stratford end and there was no cover from the rain and it was, you know, just a single tier. And, and if they scored a goal, everyone, especially tiny little me, went flying down to God knows where past where I was and all those things. And I think that when you look at the Stratford end now and those kinds of like, I've stood in the cop supporting man united you know what i mean like but the atmosphere i think it's sadly it is sadly missing and that is because of the corporate situation that it's become this business thing right but i also would like to say that as a woman and i see that i've been watching a few things on on youtube about um the stratford end the songs and when we we've won and whatever um and um, still not as many women, right? Still predominantly male. However, I feel that, you know, it doesn't matter what sport, because I love sport. You know that, Rodney, mm-hmm. about I, I follow sports, all sports. You know, I've come to Canada. I live here. I haven't as followed hockey as much recently, but I used to follow hockey, like, intently. But now because I because of YouTube. And the other thing I've le- realized is being in Canada, I realize how much I've missed all those mm. years where we didn't have all this access to information mm. living here. I only saw snippets of what was going on in the UK, right, where football was concerned. It really, now I realize how much I missed. But I think as a woman, like, I told you about the guy, that supporters club I go to, <clears throat> he freaking can't stand me because... I went to the games. I traveled the whole of the UK watching those games. I stood in the cop end in Liverpool and watched Manchester United. They thought I was going to die. <laughs> it's like, I'm, I know my Manchester United. I know the teams. I know the players. I know the history. I'm not a, some dummy person. And when I watch sports, I watch it. Like I understand it and I know it. And I hate, hate, hate men thinking that I'm some dummy little girl that doesn't know, you know, why would she know sports? Because she's a skitsy little girl sitting there. And and then when they realize that I do know that they don't like it, that they feel threatened, it's retarded. It's retarded. You know what I, I, you know, I'm not saying, do you know what it is? I would, I would guess, right, in terms are you, of that. Are you about to man, are you about to mansplain? Is that, is that me? No, 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 no. I'm not going to mansplain. I'm not criticized. I'm not, I'm not a man. I'm not. This respect, I think men have a tendency to, to, and I'll no. tell you the flip side of it is that if I'm sitting in a bar, mm. which I don't go to as much anymore, but I really should. But when I used to go to the bars at my friends and I would be the only one on a Saturday night standing in the bar watching the hockey game with my beer in my hand. Like I'd literally be standing there watching the hockey game on the TV screen mm. and all the other girls are doing whatever they're doing. And then these guys used to come up to me and go like, what, what are you doing? I'm like, I'm watching like, <laughs> and then I'd get into the shoot the breeze about the game and they knew I knew the game. Then they'd buy me beer, right? Cause they're like, oh, this is a cool chick. So, like, you do get both sides of it. But I think on the whole, it's sports is still, I think football in England is still, to me, seems still quite male-dominated. Oh, yeah, of course, yeah. yeah. But, and I do think that that sort of maybe, I don't know. I don't know if the younger generation's any better, but I do feel like there's this thing about women don't know. Even when I go to Man United Supporters Club in Toronto, yeah. it's predominantly male, and, and they find it kind of odd I'm there. You know, and then in Niagara is the person I was just talking about. He's like really rude to me, like really rude to me because I know the history and he obviously feels threatened by the fact. I don't know. I don't know what it is. I was going to say, Jessica, it's it's, it's definitely um, you're a threat and and, and, and not, not in a personal way. I think that, you know, football has always been man's sanctuary. Yeah, it, it's it's, yeah. it's man's safe place where they can go, where they don't actually want to have a conversation with a woman, so they can say, "I'm watching the football," and and straight away by saying that it negates all responsibility for interaction. <laughs> um, um, but what I would say is that every man that I know um, <laughs> that talks about females' involvement in football and female knowledge of football has always said. Um, that they've enjoyed having, you know, being able to sit at home and watch a game with the missus or watch a game with their girlfriend or whatever. So I think that there's, I think that there, I think it's generational. I think that there was a time when there was probably uh, a lot of sort of, you know, weird looks and stares and, you know, you know, what's she talking about? And she doesn't know anything about the game. I think that now 
and I have to admit, I, I probably was a bit draconian with dragging myself into into up to speed because I, there was a time when I, I was just like, I'm not understanding this female lines woman. Like, I'm not. Because I think that that's the that's the transition that people have to make. They have to be accepting now that actually yes, I w- because you know it's a it's a myth. It's an urban myth. Females don't know the offside rule. Yeah, do you know. Um, I'm going to let which you is, finish. Which is which is, a, which is a lie. Which is a lie, Jessica. So please, on behalf of the of behalf of mankind. Yeah, please accept our apology. I'm I'm going to say for I'm going to speak for Nick. I'm going to speak. No, I'm going to speak. I'm going to apologize for you as well, Nick. No, some of us are lighting. Oh right, right, right. See, see. See, let me let me say this in terms of what I was going to say, Nick, before you say mansplaining. I wasn't going to do any of that at all. You know, again, because of my love of football, and I played right through my twenties to early thirties. When I towards the end, or when I before I damaged my knee, uh, I can't, how many years ago that is now? Um, we had a female referee. Saturday football, we had a female referee, and obviously, as players, we were like thinking we've got a female ref. You know, thinking, "Whoa, what's it?" I'm talking about maybe twenty years ago. Yeah, that's unusual. So, so, yeah, no, it was unusual. So you know, as a team, we were like, "Guys, oh, female ref," and you know, you're getting changed, you're putting your boots on. You go outside, she goes through the normal routine of, you know, what you can't, you cannot say. And I have to be honest, it was probably one of the best games that both teams had because normally when things go wrong, you say, fucking hell, what's your problem? Do you know what I mean? You let, It just comes out. But because she was a female, you had to go like that. Oh, come on. The, so the language was adjusted. Why? Well, I'd say that. No, 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 no. The language was adjusted and it was slightly more um, jovial. Yeah. To understand it was more jovial, and for yeah. me, I mean, as Jessica's saying, you know, um, the, the, the people have a problem with her. Jessica will know that I follow the women's game intently. I go and I follow the women's game intently. I've always watched women's football, haven't really talked about it, but I have more recently in terms of the months that I've been following the WSL and the championship, and I've even gone to watch the, the non league games as well with Dulwich Hammond women. So I know that I can go and talk to women about football and women have always been able to talk to me about football at work. It's just that there are going to be individuals dotted around the planet who feel uncomfortable when someone has slightly more knowledge than them in, and as Nick used the word, a language which is universal because the language only used to be spoken by men. Now it's spoken by everyone Mm. In in every part of the corner of this globe they will have access to it. Yeah. I used to, I've, I coached my kids in Canada. So I've lived here a long time. So I've coached my kids from when they were, I don't know, three years old until they, I put my foot down at the age of 17 and said, that's it, man. I'm done with this coaching lock thing with football, <clears throat> with soccer. And I coached indoor and outdoor soccer. And the kids used to all want to play on my team. And even there, they were men. Like there was a playoff tournament and <laughs> this, this dad that I know, he like all so we could other kids could come into the, I don't know there's some process or something happened I don't anyway everybody wanted to play on my team because they liked me because I was very fair but I also know the game right <clears throat> so like my children will always tell you I sat there more because I was terrified of any parent ever saying I favored my child right mm. so my kids probably played less than other kids did in a comparison to other coaches. But this guy came up to me and screamed in my face because he was so mad that my team was going to go to the finals. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, it's, 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 you're going to get it's, that. It's, and then, but then on the flip side, there were men that would come up to me and go, just when I was assistant coach a lot at the beginning, they would say, like, you should be a coach. Like, go do the coach thing. Yeah. You're good. You're good with the kids and you know what you're talking about. Go do the coach thing. Right. So that, Jessica, that guy that was screaming at you, what was his... What was his angst? What was his ire exactly, though? Um, his thing, well, because the kids, because there was some system where kids could move, if there weren't enough kids in the teams, and they weren't because it's the summertime when we play this outdoor football, and so the kids could move around in the teams. Right. So right. all the kids, but they were all young kids, the younger kids that were coming to, they came to my team because I didn't have enough players. Uh, but but the thing was, we, we actually got to the final, and that, that was... He was absolutely livid, oh. livid. 
sour grapes. I've got to uh, move us on quickly, but before I do that, I've got to make a quick mention uh, to the previous podcast that I recorded, a little bit of a name check. Uh, please check out Rich and Rod's WSL Takeout, uh, where we talked about the non-football games in the women's game, because there you go, you, you'll know that I've been talking about women's games. Uh, check out the other pod that I recorded, Follow the Money, and I've also recorded an interview with the London Bees women's team's manager, Lee Birch. That is a really good insight into his journey into the women's game in terms of coaching. So that was, uh, I was glad to do that because it, he had a female mentor uh, from a very early age. So there you go. It's not just about uh, women supporters. It's about actually being given the opportunity by anyone in the game. Right. Uh, I'm conscious of time. So there's a couple of things that I need to ask. Uh, and this is something that we probably need to revisit. So I'm going to say we've roughly got about 10 minutes. We've talked about love. We've talked about hate. Um, one of the things that I haven't mentioned, and this is what uh, me and Nick have spoken about off air, is about players under scrutiny from previous players. And I know Nick's going to say we need more time, so we might have to come back to it. Uh, a particular player was questioned in terms of his uh, application by a former football player. Uh, so, you were all, you know, all lack of. Uh, so, as a general question to all of you, um, do you have a problem with former football players as in their commentary role of having a go at, at current football professionals? And I'll start with you, Ty, before I get to Nick and then Jessica. Um. Do I have a problem with it? I think, I don't know if I have a problem with it. I think that it's um, probably an unfair yardstick. I think that you have got generational issues and I think that football has evolved. Ooh. I think that um, for the grassroots game um, and the lovers of the grassroots game, I'll I, I, I call it out as I see. Um, Graham Souness um, and the likes of him, they're quite vocal about the attitude and the application of the modern day footballer because these guys were uh, from the elk of apprenticeships where a footballer had to clean the boots of the first team players, you know, learn the manners and discipline off of the pitch before they were allowed on it and that sort of thing. And I, I feel like that when they describe how they feel towards the modern day footballer or footballers this footballers of this generation it's almost like a scolding like a parent saying oh well back in my day you know things were different back in my day and I think that I think that that's wrong I think that um each generation of footballers has got their own uh cross to bear they've got their own trials and tribulations um I don't on on the flip side of it I think that there should be an element of of support um why don't the the people who are interested in chastising or having a critical view of modern day footballers, why don't they um, air their views in the appropriate forum? Why don't they contact the clubs and ask if they can be mentors for young players? Why don't they invest their time um, as much as their comments? Um, because I think some of their comments are valid and I think that, they, you know, for some modern footballers, they probably could do well to learn from some of the older regime. Um, but nobody likes to be told um, that they're not good enough or their attitude's wrong or whatever if you can't offer a solution as as well as the, uh, pointing out the problem. Mm -hmm. And I think that, that that's probably what's wrong with it. Um, so I don't have a problem with it um, if it's done in the right environment and it's done with the right spirit. I do have a problem with it if it's just about somebody not liking a particular player because they didn't have to go through and jump through the same hoops that that the 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 person who's making the judgment probably had to go through in their time in football. Okay, that's good. Um, Nick, <laughs> we should have left Nick till last. No, no, no. <laughs> I, I put Nick in the middle so that he could we can concertina we the can time. Control him. <laughs> No, it's um, it's 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 not so much what what Tyrone was saying there because I, I haven't got a problem with 
with pundits, you know, um, calling out players or what have you, or or kind of saying their commitment, well, well, or their 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 application, it might it might not be as it was, but it's just the very fact of certain pundits. They've got a lot of energy for certain players, mm. and they they don't have that same energy with their criticism, with their uh, with their analysis about other players. Yeah. So there's an inconsistency there. That that that's that's where my issue is. And the very fact of the matter is, um, we can we cannot know the commitment of any player that is playing, past, present, or future. We just can't know. We can't know whether whether a player goes on the pitch and says, "Don't fancy it today." We we can't know that. So for any pundit, and pundits have said that in the in the past and 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 this week to say. He's not committed. He's not committed when he goes onto that pitch. You you can tell it. He's not committed. Can't do it. Mm. Why are they doing that? They haven't said that when they when they've talked about other players, which I thought where I thought certain players have have been kind of um, swinging the lead and, and dragging their feet. They've been like, well, he, he hasn't he hasn't had a good day today. It's been it's been that kind of you know diplomatic kind of punditry. But for certain players, he's lazy. He's not committed. Yeah, he, he, you know, he, 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 he focuses on football. You, you can't. Well, how do you know? How do you know? It's not fair. It's not fair, is it? So that I guess that that's where that's where my kind of um, annoyance um, lies in in that inconsistency. Okay, uh, I will come back to you, Nick. I will come back to you. I just need to get Jessica's. Uh, yeah, I, I think what you're talking about is bias, and I think we all know that we're probably talking about a certain person, what? particularly who? Um, who I will not mention, who I can't understand. <laughs> but um, but I do think that the punditry should be focused on what what are they doing on the pitch, right? Um, you know, actually, you're right. We don't. We can only comment on what we see. So if someone stands in the middle circle and flops around and trots around as they do, and does nothing else to change, You're giving away the certain clues there, Jessica, with <laughs> trotting around. Just saying. Um, then I think you're, it's fair to say that that person stood in the centre circle and trotted around and really didn't impact the game. I don't think there's anything wrong with that. And does that question their attitude and their their um, Commitment to that that particular game at that particular moment, possibly, right? We don't know, but possibly. Um, and I think that's fair, fair comment. But I also think it's right that if you're going to say things like, it is a little bit generational. I mean, Sunas obviously has it in for some people, but it is generational and uh, some of it. And and it would be better, you know, if we talk about Manchester United, for example, when people are yipping and yapping about Ole, um, one of the things you have to give him credit for, and some people say it's stupidity, but I feel it's credit, is that he hasn't put their players down. He hasn't, um, you know, thrown them under the bus in any way, shape or form, really. I think once he kind of lost it, but really hasn't. Yeah, and, apart from, well... He his people yes. say that he needs <laughs> his people say that he needs a needs um a, needs surgery. That's 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 throwing that's throwing a person under the bus. But apart from that, sorry, sorry, sorry. Yeah, I I think you know I think and I think that you know if you think about if you've coached or even if you've been in a management position or you've had a manager or anybody telling you what to do, you are way more likely to do better if you feel supported and encouraged. So instead of these old, you know, Gary Neville's of the world or whoever, Sunas and all these people, um, maybe they can actually contribute positively to football. And in this world that we live in, I don't think there needs to be that kind of negativity because I think you do see the difference is that now it's instantaneous. And when you watch uh, support, so-called supporters of a team like Manchester United really being aggressively nasty to their players boarding a bus, like disgusting in my opinion, then you have to sort of think about the bigger picture, right? And so what are you feeding into? And I don't think any of that's necessary. It's no. a game. It's a game. It is it's a game. game. It's a game. It's, you know, all of you have said really key points. Tyrant, I will mention quickly in terms of the commentary or the, 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 the comments from a particular player, and it could be done behind closed doors. 
and offering the services to football players if they contact the club. Most young footballers will say they haven't got time because they're too busy. That's the that's the impression that you get from the modern footballer because I don't hear anyone talk about... It, it, what you would hear from old footballers is that they had to go and do the apprentice, as Nick said, cleaning the boots, and they, ha they were spoken to by someone. But I don't know if that's necessarily there. And if a particular player is going to be spoken to, it should really be someone who has previously been at that club. Uh, the difficulty with players now being pundits is they have an insight into a game that everyone wants to get access to. So they're going to say, I think he's lazy, because they would probably say someone from a football point of view that that person is being lazy because they wouldn't accept that from anyone in their team. That's why he's probably saying it. And, and I go back to the beginning when I said, what, why did I fall in love with football? Is because I played football first, not because I saw someone on television. And I know that playing football, if anyone in my team didn't do their shift in the first 45 minutes, there would be at least four or five players having words with that player at half time, and it could get ugly. So if you're a player and you know, you look and you see and you think, you know what? That's not right. Because you, you don't need, you know I mean? Your instinct is to say that's not right. So with regards to the comments, I get what Nick is saying. A lot of energy, not balanced, definitely going in one direction. And, and the, the language that is used is not necessarily balanced across all of the other players that are being critiqued in the same way or, or at all. We're all doing it. We're all doing this whole kind of commentary thing and reviewing football and talking about certain things. The issue is that we talk about things that are beyond the pitch now. It's not just about, you know, the clubs are using certain things. I'm going to let you come in. The clubs are going to be using certain things in terms of imagery. They want you to buy the kit. They want you to be on social media. They want you to be on Facebook, Instagram, whatever else. They want all of those things and more. And because of it, you opened up the, 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 the audience to something else other than them just scoring goals. But I think I think I think you're right, Rodney. But I think the thing is, the thing is, is that look, a footballer is just a man, and as Jessica and said, woman. it's just and, and, woman. And, 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 and woman now, yeah. right? And and as Jessica said, it's just a sport. I think that the the, the key thing that we're looking at here is the application, as Nick said, and the behaviour of the individual. And I'll and I'll, I'll I'll just make this point quickly because I know that you you know you've got time constraints. Mm. Um, People loved Maradona, right? They loved him, even when he was big and out of shape and taking cocaine and whatever else because of what he'd done on the pitch. The same will be said for George Best. He was a drinker. He was a gambler. The same will be said for Tony Adams. The same will be said for Ray Parler. The same will be said... And, I, you know, I'm not, I'm not calling out players' names based on their ability. I'm calling these players out based on the fact that they were human beings who had very, very testing and challenging personal lives, but nobody cared and spoke about that because on match day at three o'clock, they ran out on that pitch and gave 110%. So I think that at the end of the day, if you don't want people to talk about your hairstyle and the fact that you love social media and the fact that you're always getting in trouble or the fact that you're always saying something wrong, when you run out on that pitch, the whole reason why people even know who you are you give your right and left leg for the course. And if you're not doing that, then you're open to criticism from even people like my mum. I heard my mum talking about a footballer and saying he was rubbish the other day. And I'm thinking, imagine that. <laughs> right? Because, 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 and my mum don't know nothing about football. But, but the point is, is that once you stop performing, once you stop doing the fundamental thing that's put you on that platform, as far as I'm concerned, you're open to take shots from everybody. So I don't see it that see. way. I, I see Nick. See Let Nick come in quick, quick. Nick, come <laughs> in, come in, come in quick. I, 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 would, I would just say, I would, and, it, and it kind of, it goes into the philosophical way of seeing things. I understand what you're saying, Tyrone, but then for me, the very fact of Tony Adams, Ray Parler, what have you, because you've abused your body, there might have been situations that you couldn't have got you you um the team has suffered because you weren't able all right let me just crystallize it if we go back to euro um 1996 yeah um england against germany and i keep on saying this and i'm, I'm going to bring him up again today Sadness. but gaza but gaza yeah with that yeah. with that ball that went across 
that he could, if he'd got there, I will, yeah. I will go to my grave swearing. If that guy had lived a clean life, he probably would have made that ball. No, no, but no, but hear what I'm, hear what I'm saying. So this whole idea, this whole idea of well, they do on the, um, they give their all on the pitch. Okay, right. So they give their all, but they aren't able to actually execute everything because they've been abusing themselves off the pitch. Well, if you flip that over to other players, yes, they're on social media. Yes, they might be seen at this glamour event or what have you, but they're not abusing their bodies. So it's questionable whether they are, um, they're not executing certain things on the pitch because they're not able to. All right, between the between the ears, you might be able to question, but at least they're not at least they're not doing it because they've abused themselves off the pitch. Yeah, so but do you I, not think do you not think that those play? Sorry, go on. Jessica. No, no, go ahead. I just think is that a difference? Because if you're mentally not in the game, I think that's just as bad as if you are physically not able to do something. Because you can not be a great player, but if you're mentally astute in football. You can change a game. I think that's 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 the truth, Jessica. And what I'll add to as well, sorry, Nick, um, I've got to say this, yeah. Mm. Your comment in regards to Gaza and um, not being in the right place, yeah, is that so? Do you have the same thought process for the fact that we took um, a three legged horse? In, in on on a number of occasions in Wayne Rooney in Michael Owen I can name a, a number of players what, that got dragged that got dragged to World Cups that weren't oh, yeah. fit that oh, yeah, weren't yeah. fit that, that 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 then were expected to deliver um, by managers who knew that they weren't fit and a nation that knew that they weren't fit. Um, uh, were they, should should those push, no 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 the question is should those players be open to the same form of criticism oh. as the man who's had a beard the previous night before and has, has not quite made, made given his 100% in the game. Should they be don't, open to the same? Don't get me started on that. Well, 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 we haven't got enough time. <laughs> right. We haven't got enough time. Well, well, I'm, I'm agreeing with you, Tyrone. I'm agreeing with you. I'm agreeing with you. We're, we're, this whole idea that I'm, that I'm doing it for my country, I'm going to get myself back. No, no, no. You sit on the bench, yeah? If you, yeah. want, if you really want to serve your country, you sit on the bench, even though it's burning you. And the, that, that's, that's really doing your service to your country. Yeah, that's right. my point. Right, that's I'm going to let Jessica have the last word before we move on to the last bit. Jessica. Oh, uh, <laughs> For the punditry. Yeah. I, I don't particularly like it to tell you. I, I think that... I think that I think you do need to be balanced. I mean, I love Manchester United, but I can tell you when they're not so good and when they're good and who's good, who's playing well, who's not playing well. I, I just think that it, you know what I think is, I remember traveling to Manchester in good old days where, you know, you didn't have a lot of news and you didn't get, you didn't, what I don't like actually is the social media backlash and the nastiness. I really, and I do think that the punditry sometimes feeds into that where they pick yes. up players. I think, you know, the person that should not be named probably probably gets more heat than he should, but but equally I think yeah. he's yeah, whatever. Yeah. Um but I, th I think that that when it's really nasty and that people are it it fuels that horrible underlying belly of and then you see some real nastiness and I, I just I I've never understood how you can I, I love Manchester United I will never say I don't like, you know, I don't like Paul Popper, but I would never go on social media and be like terrible like nasty wishing ill on him never yeah no. i might say dude come on now like pick it up a bit give us a break you know <laughs> yeah but, but like play for us a little please if that's who you are or, or else go it doesn't really matter but but i'm not gonna be like i wish your kids would die and i wish you would break your leg or whatever you know like and i do think some of that punditry so-called punditry does feed into that nonsense yeah. They yeah. have a responsibility. They're, yes, yeah. yes. Right. Yeah. Right, I'm gonna. I'm gonna have the last word on it. I'm gonna basically say this: everyone has bias, and everyone. Yep. And this is the thing that people forget: everyone has bias, and it comes out regardless of whether you played for a team or you didn't. It's you have a particular point of view and a position, and you comment from that position. Right. Um, the last thing is, this isn't even a, a kind of a, a conversation piece because we are at the end. I'm just going to, I've noted something, um, considering we've been talking previously about the football coming back 
being played behind closed doors. Something that jumped out to me today on the news is that um, in France they have agreed to take a 50% page uh, wage deferral in Ligue 1 because too big, of... Too big an issue, man. Come yeah, on. listen, well, let me just say this, you know, they realise that they need the clubs to survive, not just their club, but just all of the clubs. And um, it will, for me, uh, signal a way of games to be screened behind closed doors. And some of the people will say, what do you mean by that? That's not necessarily what it's saying. What it, what it will do uh, for, for some individuals is it means that clubs will have to look at a way in terms of financially being viable in the future because Arsenal are looking to um, reduce their wages. It also means, and this is something we can talk about on another podcast, definitely, is that for any young player coming up now or any new transfer coming in, they're not going to get the money their agent thinks they're going to get. That's what's going to happen. Um, but we'll get back to that on another one. I'm going to say thank you to Ty for joining. No problem, no problem. Yeah, uh, I'm going to say thank you to Nick for joining. And even though Nick didn't get to the crux of what he wanted to say, we will come back to it because I know he's got lots to say on the, the Mr Pogba issue. Pleasure's all mine. Just have yeah. a proper podcast, Rodney, so we can get oh, all our proper issues oh, done. Oh, gosh. Can you imagine <laughs> the hate? The hate and it's the like heat. like a whole day's look worth of podcast. Yeah, this, <laughs> listen, I'd need to get, like, Cheetos, Frazzles, Doritos, <laughs> Morley's. <laughs> Morley's, number seven. Um, I'm going to say thanks to me. you. <laughs> yeah, so thanks to you, uh, Jessica, for joining Thank you to the students for not showing up for their appointment on Zoom. <laughs> ooh, ooh, that's a little, little bit waspish there. That's, that's, that's like a lash. Um, that's a lash. They're probably watching this. Oh, there she is. Um, I'm going to say thanks to everyone who's tuned in, even if it's just one. Thank you. Uh, please uh, check out the daily drop-in. That's just me talking a whole load of nonsense, Monday to Friday, 3 p.m. I'll be back next Sunday uh, talking more football stuff and other things in between. Uh, I'm Rodney Cyrus. This is On and Off the Pitch, and I'll see you soon. Bye for now.